Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. The Premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. 15, 15. A rookie comes awfully close to a no-hitter and an early first-rounder might be getting a value boost. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have but, not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Friday, September 11th. I'm Al Melkier, and I'm here with Michael Beller. And Michael, we're going to start with um, something that actually broke sort of late um, on a Thursday night, and that is uh, Chris Paddock leaving his start uh, after just two innings. His uh, velocity was down. Uh, as of this recording, we don't have any word in terms of what the actual uh, issue was, but um, uh, Adrian Morahone came in and, and uh, replaced him in relief. I did see um, somebody, uh, one of the beat writers on Twitter, saying that Morahone could uh, be ready to go for five innings in, at a time in any role. So regardless of what's going on with Chris Paddock here, where do you think we should be targeting Morahone if we should be targeting him at all? Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to be buying into him just yet. Uh, obviously, this is very early. You and I are recording this maybe half an hour after this happened. So this is about as early as it gets. This is total speculation. But with the velocity, with the fact that this happened in the second inning of that Padres game, got to believe that there's going to be at least a missed start here. Maybe not an IL stint, but at the very least a time through the rotation where Paddock isn't in there. And let's be frank, Padres are making the playoffs, right? So why would they possibly <laughs> push Chris Pratt Paddock at this point? Um, yeah, I think Morahone right now, maybe 15 team mixers, certainly on the stream radar, depending on matchups that he could have if he does end up getting to make a, a start or two uh, in Paddock's absence. But I can't get too aggressive on him. I can't get too much more excited about him uh, beyond that. All right. Well, uh, the big story prior to that was Brady Singer taking a no-hitter deep into uh, his start against the Cleveland Indians. In fact, made it seven and two-thirds innings, um, just gave up a single to Austin Hedges, no runs. And that single, by the way, to Austin Hedges, 38% hip probability. So maybe Brady Singer getting a little bit robbed there by the Babip gods. Um, but coming into the start, I mean, look, all kinds of pitchers have thrown no-hitters. Um Singer did not have the most impressive of profiles coming into this. The one thing that he has done extremely well coming into the start was that no pitcher with 40 innings or more had a lower swing rate on pitches in the zone. So he's been fantastic at freezing hitters. But in this particular start, he got 18 swings and misses on 119 pitches. So uh, taking all that into account, is this something that moves the needle uh, for you on Singer at all? Now, Dallas Brayton has a perfect game to his name, Al. You know, 
It's just uh, this happens. This sort of, this sort of thing happens, and uh, you don't take anything away from what Brady Singer did in that matchup with the Indians. Obviously, uh, you shut down a major league lineup like that, and one that's got some bats in it, like Cleveland's does. Obviously, you had really good stuff, and you have this in your in your tool bag every single time you take the the uh, you take the mound. But it doesn't really change the way uh, that I look at Brady Singer. Uh, sort of the same way we look at Adrian Morahone, maybe a little bit higher of a start to start ceiling, especially since he's more stretched out but really just a streamer and maybe a guy you think about in 15-team mixers. And I actually don't think tool bags are a thing. I think I was looking for tool box. Yeah, tool bag seems a little, <laughs> little clunky. Seems, you know? seems like it wouldn't be, oh yeah, very effective for carrying around your tools. <laughs> I'd rather have the toolbox. I'm with you on that one. Uh, all right, well, so an interesting development here. Mookie Betts making his first start at second base since his rookie season in 2014. He's just made one appearance there at all uh, since 2014, and that was in 2018. So if you're in a one-game eligibility league, um, you, you've just hit the jackpot with Mookie Betts, but just needs to make four more starts between now and the end of the season to really have a lot more uh, appeal across a, a broader range of leagues. So if that happens, and who knows if it, it will or it won't, um, is that a difference maker come 2021? God, can you imagine that? Can you imagine Mookie <laughs> Betts being second base eligible, middle infield eligible uh, at leagues that uh, that use that spot? I mean, I don't know if it's a difference maker. I mean, I'm still right. I mean, Mookie's already going as a top five guy, and I'm not taking him ahead of Mike Trout uh, next year. You know, we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll reassess when we get to uh, when we get to 2021. We're really thinking about drafts, but um, there's only so much higher Mookie can go than where he already is. That I can't imagine it being really a difference maker for him. Yeah, well, I did see someone, and I apologize because I don't remember who it was that ran the poll, but running a poll saying, "Is does this make Mookie number one overall for you now? And I think if, oh, if anything, stop, it's just- stop. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Trout is the number one player every single, we do this, every, right? Bryce Harper, yeah. Ronald Acuna, we always do this. Mike Trout is the number one player, full stop. That's it. Stop it. As long as Mike Trout's playing baseball, he is the number one player. Yeah, well, and, and I was going to say, if you were going to make that argument, I think you could also make it on the basis of just his performance this year. But given this, the what the second base pool is, it definitely at least, I think, makes it worth looking into. Um, although, yeah, I think I'm probably with you on Trout. Uh, also in some Dodgers news, Walker Bueller, unfortunately, back on the injured list with his blister. So um, Dodgers won't need a fifth starter for uh, about another week. But uh, we'll we'll see what becomes of that. Uh, in some other injury news, uh, actually injury return news, Bo Bichette could be back this weekend. Uh, Gio Urshela is expected to c- come back for the Yankees next Tuesday. So for those of you in weekly leagues, there's a couple of developments to pay attention to very closely. The White Sox placed Dallas Keuchel on the injured list with back spasms, but they called Ronaldo Lopez back up. He would seem to be the obvious uh candidate to replace Keuchel in the rotation. But again, we'll keep tabs on that. Marlins placed John Birdie on the injured list with a finger injury. Um, Isan Diaz, who was just yesterday, uh, or actually two days ago, put back on the 40-man roster. He was called up. And according to a piece in MLB.com, Diaz has been taking some reps at third base and uh, maybe could play there in a pinch. But it sounds like more of a job share situation at second base between him and Jazz Chisholm. So let's get to the closer news, Michael. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos had to leave his appearance against Detroit. 
on Thursday um, in that double header. Uh, just an unfortunate. He was also saddled with the loss, and then Ryan Helsley came in and, and blew the save. Uh, so it turns out to be a groin injury for Gallegos. We don't know anything about the severity or timetable, but I think we do at this point have to start at least speculating on who might replace him. So uh, the Cardinals, I mean, that, that closer situation has been in flux seemingly all season long. Do you think somebody's going to settle into that in place of Gallegos, or is this going to be a save-sharing situation? My best guess is that it would be a save-sharing situation. That's hard to say. Save-sharing situation that we end up seeing in St. Louis for as long as Gallegos is out. And as you said, we can't uh, stress it enough. Uh, We don't have much word beyond the fact that it's a groin injury as we're recording this. So, got to imagine a groin injury for a pitcher. That's a tough one, you know, with the way that how involved your lower body is. So, got to believe that he is going to miss at least some time, whether it's an aisle stint or not. It doesn't really matter. He's going to miss some time. I would think it's going to be something where they end up sharing it. I would lean toward Andrew Miller if I was making a claim here just based on the way this team attacked the ninth inning before Gallegos uh, was able to start pitching uh, this season. That's where I would lean. But I don't think there's anyone here that really is begging to be claimed in a fantasy league. I think you want to make claims, but I don't think that you need to go all out for these guys, even knowing that it's the end of the season. And if you've got fab dollars, you don't need to take them into the offseason with you. It just doesn't feel to me like there's going to be an obvious ninth inning guy for the team so long as Gallegos is out. Yeah, uh, you know, there's certainly some candidates there, but um, we'll just have to wait and see what uh, what the extent is of that injury. And on the other side of the ledger, uh, the, the Tigers wound up with the safe situation. And for the second time in a row where the Tigers have had a safe situation, it was Brian Garcia um, nailing it down for them. And he did not get a strikeout, even though he got the save. He now has seven strikeouts in 17 in the third inning. So we talked earlier in the week uh, about Brandon Kinsler maybe being the most contact-friendly closer. And I've got a quick follow-up on that as well. But is it worth it to uh, go after Garcia, given the profile? I mean, I think so. If you need saves, he's out there, right? And he's getting saves. And now that he's had two opportunities in a row that he's cashed in, you would have to believe that he's going to continue getting those opportunities. So like I said, right? I mean, this is the end of the season. You're really not waiting around for anything at this point. So, you know, go ahead and make the move. Obviously, you know what you're getting into. You're getting into a guy who's going to be very contact friendly, who, you know, maybe is going to have some blown saves, maybe is going to run into some trouble even in games that he does end up closing the door. So, you know, ratios aren't going to be aren't bettable, aren't bettably pretty. Uh, strikeouts obviously aren't going to happen, but saves are saves. And if you need him, he's one of the few guys out there who's getting them or at least getting opportunities with some regularity you can go get right now. All right. And just to follow up on that Marlins situation when we did talk about Kinsler a few episodes back, uh, Marlins had themselves not a save situation, but a tie game going into the ninth inning. And it was Yimmy Garcia pitching the top of the ninth and the Marlins uh, did prevail in that one. So change of heart here because you seem to be uh, pretty strongly on team Kinsler earlier in the week. No, I was, I was strongly on team Boxberger. Oh my, yeah, that's right. But I mean, how could I not have a change art? I would have to be, you know, some sort of dolt who uh, who refuses to believe the facts that are in front of him. If I wasn't going to sit here and say that I didn't have a change of heart, so uh, yeah, looking like Yimi is your guy here. All right, so uh, yeah, uh, for for some stupid reason, like whenever I see Yimi Garcia, I think of the uh, Dave Matthews song uh, "Jimmy Thing." So it's a, it's, it's a Yimi thing. Hey, I got no. That's good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Nah, well, and you were right you. about this Yimi thing here. <laughs> and uh, prospect call up of the day, since we, we have one 
pretty much every single day. Uh, this time it's the Rangers calling up Sam Huff. Uh, any interest there? Mm, not particularly. How about you? No, I mean, it seems like kind of a, a stopgap thing, a catcher for them. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm with you there, but had to ask. So uh, yeah, we've course. got some... I appreciate it. All right, all right. Well, uh, we will just move right ahead uh, to two start pitchers. All right, Michael. Well, um, we've got, uh, before we get into really the full slate, there's sort of a news item here that's related to uh, possible two-star pitchers. Mitch Keller um, may be back from uh, his aisle stint for an oblique strain in time to pitch one of the Pirates' doubleheader games in Cincinnati on Monday. So if that happens and he stays in the rotation, that lines him up for a second start against the Cardinals. So we're looking at Reds, Cardinals, possibility for Mitch Keller, um, again, not a whole lot of time left in the season to kind of wait and see how, how players do. So we just, do we just go ahead and dive in the Mitch Keller pool at this point? Yeah, this is probably one where it's going to depend on where you are in your league standings, what kind of league you play in. Um, if you've, if you're chasing ERA and whip, obviously you've got nothing to lose. If you're protecting ERA and whip, I don't know if I would throw him right back in there, even though you're not too afraid of either of these matchups. And I would not have thought we'd be saying that about Cincinnati a couple of months ago, but here we are. Um, so really, it's a, it, to me, it's it's team and standing dependent whether you are going to trust Mitch Keller or not. If you need the move, then you obviously you want him in there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, standings dependent, to be sure, as, as would be the case for a lot of these. I'm just going to rattle off, sure. uh, I think it's eight different pitchers who are currently projected, and again, that's with an asterisk because we've seen schedules and uh, pitching probables change at a drop of a hat this season. But mm-hmm. um, here we go. These pitchers currently lined up for two starts next week. Uh, Davey Garcia and Dane Dunning, both who had very good starts on Wednesday this week. Garcia versus Toronto at Boston. Dunning versus Minnesota at Cincinnati. Matthew Boyd coming off that horrible start versus KC versus Cleveland. Ryan Yarbrough uh, at home against the Nationals and then on the road against the Orioles. Taiwan Walker at the Yankees and at the Phillies. Randy Dobnak at the White Sox at the Cubs. So a week in Chicago there. Uh, Taylor Clark at the Angels at the Astros. And finally, Mike Kickham, who had a pretty nice, albeit you know not very long start, four innings, but a, a nice uh, start for the Red Sox on Thursday. He gets the Marlins to start off the week. So that's a nice matchup. Uh, in Miami, and then home against the Yankees. So who do you like from that bunch? You know, not really anyone very much. The one who stands out to me is Dane Dunning, and he does have that really tough matchup to start the week with uh, the Twins. But the strikeout stuff has been there in pretty much every single start for Dane Dunning this season. Even his one bad turn through the through the rotation, I want to say he struck out like four guys in four and two-thirds innings. So you can pretty much count on getting at least that out of Dane Dunning. And, uh, you know, you got to feel pretty good about him going into that Cincinnati start too. So as long as he doesn't get totally rocked around by the Twins, I think you're going to be happy about that two-turn uh, week uh, four Dane Dunning. Other than that, no one really jumps out at me. I think all those other guys fall into the same category where we talked about with Mitch Keller, where if you need some to make some moves in any pitching category, then you feel all right about getting two starts. But if you're protecting your ratios, you're going to want to think twice about it. All right. And just keep in mind, both Dunning and Garcia um, available in a lot of Yahoo and ESPN, le- ESPN leagues, uh, more than two thirds as of this, uh, as of this uh, conversation. And, uh, you know, I think I got more than two thirds of that sentence correct. So, uh, anyways, I think you did too. You got a hundred percent of it eventually. 
That's right. And eventually those pitchers should be in 100% of leagues as well. So that just uh, comes full circle. And uh, while we're talking about pitchers, we got to talk about Eno Saris' latest column. This is very cool, folks. It's a must read. It's Eno Saris' updated starting pitcher rankings now with strength of schedule. So that's a pretty cool thing for the last two weeks. You can take a look at some of your borderline pitchers and see if uh, maybe strength of schedule is going to be a a difference maker for you. So uh, on that note, that's going to be it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and review, we would greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. For Michael Beller, I'm Al Melker, and we'll be right back here on Monday.